when yeah. you can identify who you're talking to, you can kind of uh, shape what you're going to ask and what you're going to request based on that, or even how you're going to justify stuff. I can't give you any guarantees outside of what you're willing to put in, because that's what your output is based on. Yeah. Do you really believe in this? If not, you can go find another program, but understand yeah. this program is here for people who's going to believe in it and follow the directions. I'd rather you only do it if you're going to be committed to Friday, Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. I uh, hope you guys have had a great week. I am super excited to introduce this next guest, Trevor Casaberry. But before I do that, I wanted to let you guys know one big thing. Uh, you guys know where to find me on Twitter, know where to find me on social media. But my first course on how to become a virtual assistant just launched. Uh, and in about a week and a half, two weeks, my course on sales will launch. So uh, if you guys have ever wanted to start a virtual assisting business and you wanna make an extra 1500 bucks a week, let me show you how and buy the course. Uh, my listeners get 10% off if you use code THINK10 at the checkout of, of either course, um, the sales course or the VA course. So go check that out, make sure you grab that. It would mean a lot to me, mean a ton. Uh, and when you do it, leave a review for me, that would be great. So with all that being said, Trevor Casaberry is a negotiation expert. He's got his uh, classes and his courses on negotiation. We had a great talk about sales, how he came up in the business world. And it's actually a really incredible story. So you guys want to make sure you tune in for this one. Uh, don't get caught sleeping on my episodes because they're fantastic. And without further ado, Trevor Casaberry, thank you guys so much for listening. Welcome everybody. This is Dalton Jensen and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. second oh we're rolling man <laughs> thanks for thanks for being uh with me trev uh i really appreciate you coming on i really appreciate you uh saying yes to the opportunity of course and i think thank you for even uh, accepting me <laughs> yeah well did we meet on that uh we met on uh the matchmaker website no um oh okay I yeah I, I literally was scrolling through instagram looking for you know different podcasts that you know had stuff that either related to me or, or yeah. I thought it was cool. And so I just reached out. Oh, nice. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah, dude, I haven't been on Instagram in a minute, though. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's why I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense, though. That's really cool. And you own um, the the Costaberry Consulting. Mm -hmm. you're, you're an author. And yeah. it looks also like um, you have like consulting for like helping people negotiate. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet, man. So tell us like, Give me your version of that. I know I th I ran through it pretty briefly, but tell me a little bit about each of those. Okay, so um, my whole journey as an entrepreneur started, um, you know, with Casaberry Consulting, which I started a year after I graduated college. And, um, you know, my, my background is in electrical engineering. So oh, I got wow. an electrical <laughs> engineering degree. Um, my, my senior year, I tore my uh, shoulder out of place playing basketball. So that was like February. So three, you know, like literally 90 days before graduation. And I don't know what it was about that night, you know, because I don't like taking pain medicine. So, I, you know, I didn't want to, you know, it makes me too groggy. Yeah. I just stayed up and something clicked in my head like, Trevor, how are you going to pay for pay back these student loans? And, you know, <laughs> this is like finally like you're 90 days away. And I'm like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay up these student loans. <laughs> So I had to think, I'm like, okay, if you got $100,000 or, you know, $90,000, I'm like, your engineering is only going to pay you, you know, $70,000, $60,000. That's not oh, enough. Man. Then it's like, you know, basketball is done. You just tore your shoulder out of place. I don't think you're, you know, about to get in shape and go overseas or anything. <laughs> and then the only other ways I ever made money outside of that was um, lifeguarding and math tutoring. And I knew that would be enough. So that that <laughs> literally that same night, I was like, okay, you got to learn about business and money. And I started oh, studying wow. business from there. So, I, you know, I was self-taught. Um, you know, I, I had friends <laughs> yeah. that, were, that were business majors uh, like my freshman year. And I always remember like I took a, I took one of their quizzes because their professor used to let them uh, take, you know, let's say they got an 80 on the quiz they, or a test. They could take a blank one back to their room, redo <laughs> yeah. it to try and get 100 and it would raise their score, you know, half the amount. 
And I took one of their blank quizzes without ever taking a business exam. And I got like a 75. I'm like, man, this stuff is easy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's the confidence I went into business with. And I remember that same night I was watching an NBA game and it was um, it was actually All-Star Weekend, the All-Star game. And I just decided, Trevor, just imagine you, you know, you you ran the NBA and you could make 10 changes. And, you know, I wrote down a list of 10 changes I make, like, you know, open court file I would get rid of, the playoff seating I would get rid of. And then, you know, the next morning I woke up, the first thing on my mind was that basketball list of, of rule changes. Yeah. So every day for like that that next week, because I couldn't really write, I could only type. I'd be in class just sitting there thinking about what I was writing <laughs> and then go back to my room and just be typing it up. Um, eventually I got to a point where I was like, you know, this is cool, but you know, now it's looking like it's gonna cost like a million dollars to do a, a <laughs> professional basketball league, you know, to start it as a business. Oh I'm yeah. Like, you don't even have a hundred thousand dollars to pay your student loan. <laughs> so how are you gonna do this? And something made me just say, you you know, Trevor, you need to just continue doing it and get more uh strategic about it. Cause imagine you ran into an investor and it was like you want to be able to just talk to them about it and everything. And you know, with me being in New York City, I'm it's much more likely I'll run into somebody that either, you know, plays professional basketball here or overseas or in another. Um, city and just comes for the summers. So I'm like, just imagine you ran into Carmelo Anthony or something like that, and you got to tell him about the league. Uh, yeah. So that that made me really go into business and, uh, you know, look at the NBA and write down every single way I could see that they made money, so like insurance, ticket sales, licensing out products and things like that. And I just started studying each one of those industries. So uh, in the end, I realized I didn't really need, you know, a million dollars to start the league. I just had a, a list of the businesses that it took to support the league, right? So you need an insurance, oh, wow. you know, a, a cook, this, that, that. And I realized if if all the team owners own these businesses, we can actually get the league going without, you know, so much extra capital, right? Yeah, and wow. When I came to that realization, that's what I started teaching my friends when I came home. I'm like, listen, here's this idea, you know, we can all do it. This is what we need. And from there... Um, you know, I, I had a plan of five to seven years later starting a pro basketball league. That was in like 2016 and, uh, 2017, me and my wife moved in together, uh, literally one, uh, two months after we moved in together, we find out she's pregnant and I'm like, well, <laughs> so much for waiting for the basketball league you gotta start something <laughs> else now. And, uh, I, I ended up going into business consulting because, uh, I was kind of, you know, what I was already doing, teaching my friends and family business from when I graduated. Hey, how you doing there? I just wanted to take a quick second and introduce myself. My name is Dre Raka. That's D-R-E-R-A-W-K-A. Yes, that is my legal first and last name. Don't at me. And I wanted to welcome you to my podcast, two of them. I have the Unrestricted Show with me, Dre Raka, and that's where I get to sit down with some of my friends and we chat about life. We chat about new businesses, just everything with me and my homies. And then I also have my other podcast called the Isolation 20 Podcast, where it is mostly just me and we talk about different things from sports to uh, movies and of course the are you dumb moment where I give somebody 15 seconds of fame for being completely dumb and you know I sprinkle in some pranks in there we have a lot of fun on that podcast so definitely come on over and uh, give me a listen give me a a a try trial version if you will allrock.com is where you can find me that's a-l-l-r-a-w-k.com and I hope you have the day you deserve oh wow dude yeah no kidding so so that's how this all started. And you get into business consulting, um, you know, because that's what you're already doing. So what are the some of the main things you decided to focus on with business consulting? And do you do you uh, go after? I don't know if that's the right word, but no, you know, do you do you cater to any specific industries? Right. So um, when I first started, it was really just um, teaching people who knew little to nothing about business and LLCs and stuff like that, how to even create a business plan, because, that you know, my business plan started from 10 changes of the NBA to now a whole professional league. Um, And with my background in engineering, I even like hand sketched how big the gym needs to be and looked for places in New York and got prices. So I'm like, this is how diligent you have to be if you're going to create a real business plan. Cause I approached it like a, like an engineering, you know, AutoCAD drawing. (laughs) And uh, so teaching people that it, it gave me, you know, more experience of business. Um, 
at, in the beginning, I didn't have any niche at all because I was really kind of, you know, very new to the situation. Yeah. Now, I'm not, now I primarily work with, you know, coaches, consultants, and I've started working with a lot of podcasters recently. Uh, basically, what was, what was going on was in uh, last year, there's a lot more people started online businesses or, or adding a coaching and consulting component to the existing business. Yeah, so I was noticing yeah, for sure. the, the main three issues I was finding across all businesses, but primarily with the coaches, consultants, and now podcasters, was like a lack of manpower. Uh, if they wanted to, you know, uh, include different services or products, uh, a lack of marketing budget, uh, or they just didn't have uh, a lot of automated systems in place. So like I've even had clients who wrote an ebook, people would purchase it, and then he had to literally email them the link to the ebook. And I'm like, you this this can't work. Like, <laughs> if we got you somewhere, you got a hundred orders in a day, like you'd be done. So, yeah. Um, those were my main three things that I, I was kind of fixing for people. Uh, and instead of teaching them how to create those whole systems, it was like, how about you just partner with one of the businesses I've been working with or another business I know that has those resources in place. So I would teach them, you know, these are the kind of products you can create or these offers you can create that you can leverage and put into other people's offers to kind of bundle them together. So now, uh, as long as it's incentivizing for them and what their clients need, they can now sell a product while you make money. So whether that's you wanted to, you know, let's say you wanted to add a consulting piece onto your podcast, but they have the time, I'd link you with a business that has a team of consultants. So now you guys can work out a negotiation with percentages. Same thing. Oh, okay. Right. Same thing with automated systems. It's like, okay, you don't have a funnel. You don't know how to create one. How about you put your, your product into a bundle with someone who has a funnel and now you just help, you know, send traffic there. And uh, that was, oh going, man, right. So that was going great because it's like streamlining all of these small businesses and making connections. Yeah. And that was helping me, but um, you know, I still work in nine to five. I work in construction management. So that's kind of where I took my engineering uh, experience. Uh-huh. And um, I had to st- go back to working in the office in uh, July. And that was my first yeah. time even working in that office. Cause I was originally uh, on the project to be, uh, you know, uh, construction inspection. So I was supposed to be on site. Uh Uh, Long story short, I couldn't uh, meet with many clients. Uh, I can only meet them on like Sundays at like five hours. So that's all I had. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it it just handicapped my business. So I had to figure out how I was going to adjust. So literally in August, I took the make more offers challenge with Myron Golden. And that kind of just gave me the business model I needed. And when you know, trying to figure out the group, the group coaching um, method. So I had to figure out what exactly I was teaching group coaching that would be relative to my existing clients and future clients. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. I like negotiation, because not only was I kind of doing the negotiation and pitching for people, but when I wasn't able to, a lot of clients were botching negotiations, like trying to negotiate <laughs> in DMs and emails and, you know, just blowing them in, in Zoom meetings. So um, that's that's what I coach people on now. And I'm starting a new challenge that launches in December to kind of streamline people through the negotiation process. That's pretty sweet. And negotiation, that's a that's a big deal, man. I think yeah. uh, a lot of people, um, you know, they they uh, they don't. I mean, even I did when I started, you know, my whole background. Is in sales and and so I spent a lot of time learning negotiation from a, from a lot of really cool people. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I totally understand. And it's hard like when you're even when you're good at negotiating, if you're dealing with like a bad negotiator, that makes <laughs> yeah. it even you know what I'm saying? It's still hard. Like even if you're good, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's crazy, man. So so what do you teach people? Like, well, let me back up. What's what are some of the things that you see uh in people when they negotiate that they're doing maybe not wrong, but that's kind of that's not efficient. Right. So um Number one, there's this four main principles I teach people, whether they're doing uh, salary, sales, or, uh, you know, like business partnerships. Yeah. And number one is <clears throat> you got to be willing to walk away without a deal. Uh, it's like, yeah, if, if you're not in a position to walk away, then you're not really negotiating. <laughs> you're kind of just begging, you know, yeah. and hiding it at the negotiation table. So, um, you know, I, the way I like to explain is like, imagine you go into a job interview and you already have a job. You got so much security, you know, you're not really that phase if they lowball you or if the, if the interviewer is a douche. It's like, well, whatever, <laughs> like, I'll just go back to the job I have. 
Or yeah. even if you have, you know, imagine you have 10 other offers. You're just like, listen, I don't need this place. I got 10 other offers. <laughs> you know? And, and then I'd like to tell people, like, okay, imagine you're an investor and you literally got, like, I, I worked with a, an electrician before. This guy was making six figures as an electrician, but he was making even more from owning real estate. Yeah. So he really just came to work every day because he liked getting out the house. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, man. So I'm right. like, this guy has the ultimate leverage. So it's like yeah. any any problem I had, I was like, listen, I, I can just go home and watch TV and I'll be sure. <laughs> so it's like, when you That's realize right, the different kind of leverage employees could have, or even if you're in sales, it's just like, listen, I got 10 other calls after this. I don't, You don't have to buy this. But the yeah. quicker you tell me yes or no, the quicker I can make another step. <laughs> like when you when you say that to someone, they're like, "You don't need my money." All right, here yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, but you know what though, you're absolutely right about right. <laughs> it's it that because I've used because I've done that too. I, you know, that's one thing that I learned as well is if it's a if it's um yeah if you can't walk away, it's a bad deal. Right. It's a and uh, yeah, man. And I teach salespeople the same thing. I'm like. There's some customers you don't want and there's, you know, to some extent. Right. And there's and then there's also times when like, you know, you it the way I taught it was like customers don't know, like in their brain, the difference between, um, you know, not knowing like you not knowing what you're doing right. or, you know, and like, you know, and, and uh, being scared, you know what I mean? Because like I that's what I dealt with, like new to negotiating, not really know what I'm doing, stumbling over my words, you know, doing all that stuff. And to them, it sounded like I was trying to hide something or, you know, sneak something through that wasn't there. When in reality, it was just, but that's kind of like what you're talking about. And and what that first rule is, is like, be confident with yourself, you know, go into the negotiation, knowing that you can walk away. And 90% of the time, that scarcity that you bring to the table (laughs) gets you the deal. Right. And and uh, the funny part is every every person I'm, I'm talking to about, I'm like, all right, the last job interview did, that you went to, did they ask you if you're currently hired? And they're like, yeah, it's like, exactly. They need, <laughs> they need to know how much leverage they have. So even yeah. if you're not, tell them you are like, or if they say, are you, are you filling other offers? Yep. Got another interview tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, think, yeah, that's so, right. You know, that that's number one. Number two is I tell them, you know, you gotta you gotta be willing to uh, able to talk the other person's language, and what I mean by that is um, there's there's a guy named Chris Voss. He wrote the book Never yep. Split the Difference. Yep. And um, you know, pretty much for me being in New York, I've done a lot of negotiating for different sorts of things of my whole life, even in college, right? <laughs> negotiating, you know, I'll, I'll do your math homework if you write my paper, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And um, um, so I had to, think, you know, I found different things that worked well, but I didn't understand why. I didn't know that there were classes and terms for it until yeah. I read his book and found stuff online from him. And he broke negotiators down to three sections, assertive, accommodating and analytical. Yeah. And the number one thing is, you know, it, it's it's hard for some people to figure out which one they are, mostly because, you know, there's there's different levels to it that I found. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, you you could like me, I look way more assertive than I come off in a negotiating room. And then <laughs> once once you realize, oh, this guy's an engineer, it's like, okay, so I can't trick him with numbers, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so um it's like I can play around in, in any any field, but yeah. um, some people they, they have a hard time figuring out who they are, but th- that means they have a really hard time figuring out who they're talking to. So yeah, me, yeah. you know, being a, around a lot of engineers in college, I knew most of the people in my class, if I wanted to, you know convince them to be my group partner in the lab or something. I got to use numbers <laughs> like show, Hey, I got a 90 on my last test. Let's work together. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. You know, when I'm in like a, you know, let's say a history class or something like that. It's like, they don't care if I got a 90 on my last assignment, they want to know am I easier to work with. And it's a lot more accommodating there. Yeah. Once I started working in construction, it doesn't matter if a guy is like, you know, the smartest guy in the room, the dumbest guy in the room, if he's been working longer than you, he feel like he has all the power. He'll talk to you like he does. Yeah, yeah, like, sir. Those are, those are the assertive negotiators. So it's like when yeah. you can identify who you're talking to, you can kind of uh, shape what you're going to ask and what you're going to request based on that, or even how you're going to justify stuff. So right, right. For instance, if I'm talking to an analytical person, I'm going to use numbers and data to prove them right, to prove me right, or prove them wrong. Yeah. If I'm talking to an accommodating person, I might try and find a similarity. Like, you know, uh, do you have kids? And it's like, yeah, I have kids. Like, yeah, me too. And it's just, 
I would love to do this, but it would not leave me time to work with my kids. You know, I wouldn't yeah, get to yeah. pick them up. I, I, I'm a homeschool parent. It's like, you're a homeschool parent? Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I, we've been through it. You know what? Let's see what I can work with. And because of because they're an accommodating person. If they're yeah. like an analytical engineer, they wouldn't care. They're like, well, take it or leave it. <laughs> then, uh, the assertive person, you just got to know, like, you cannot get the assertive person using numbers. Because like, I don't care about the numbers. That's not what I asked for. Can you yeah, make it yeah. happen? Can you make it happen or not? Like expect <laughs> something like that. It's like, okay, time to work around it. And sometimes you have yeah. to be aggressive back with them. And you know, this, yeah. this doesn't just work in um, you know, in, in salary and business negotiation, it's just regular interactions. Like, think yeah. about, you know, one day your, your wife just talks to you a little too, a little too assertive. You're just like, <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll take out the trash, but watch that tone when you talk to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you have to yeah. read who you're talking to, and, and they'll switch. Sometimes maybe somebody's cranky in the morning, so they're more assertive. So maybe you want to, you know, have those meetings in the afternoon when they're more accommodated or analytical. Yeah. So, you know, understanding the person's, you know, not their love language, but their negotiation language uh, is key. Um, yeah. Next after that, I teach them, you got to be prepared to ask, you know, four times for whatever you want. And uh, how, how I like to explain is like when you're talking to your kids, it's like you're going to have to say it four times. You know, before you tell them, finish your food, <laughs> you're going to have to tell them four times. You know, when you tell them, you know, go put your shoes on, you're probably going to have to tell them four times. Same thing works in, you know, in negotiation. So yeah. um, and not only, you know, just asking for the same thing over and over. But like one story I have is I, I worked with a. Um, it was like a computer programmer from overseas and I needed him to, to do something to put a, a, a hidden button and stuff in my funnel. And uh, he had like uh, scripts online showing what he does, you know, and what's capable. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I went through the scripts and I'm like, listen, I'd pay the 150 for access to all the scripts, but I need something specific. Can you do this? Yeah. So that's like my first ask, really. Right. Instead of just paying, yeah. I'm like, can you do this in an in a, in a email? He's like, yeah, I can do that. Here's a script that that shows that. I go look at the script. I'm like, this isn't what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this with a with an extra component plus that. And that I don't see that on the website. Is yeah. there something on the website that that you know has that? And he says yes. So now he's saying he can do it. He's also saying there's stuff on the website close to it. So he <laughs> says he sends me another link to something else on his website that's close to it, and then like a, a link to to the actual website showing this functionality. And I'm like, that's cool, but I need it to look exactly like this. Um, <laughs> and and he, he ended up telling me, like, you know, when you pay the $150, I can customize the script for you. You know, once I get the notification you paid, I'll, I'll send the customized script. And I'm like, uh, no. Yeah, I want to know you can do it first. Yeah, right? I, I want to know that the script works. So, I'm, I, I, you know, I like to speak as if I'm just one of the employees at my business. So I'm like... <laughs> I can't release funds until the script, uh, you know, until I have proof that the script is functional. Yeah. And, you know, now this is the third, the third thing I'm asking him for. And he, he turns back to me. He's like, look, I can do the script. Usually I don't, I don't, uh, I ask for an extra $150 for custom scripts. <laughs> uh, but the reason I'm telling you I'll do it is because I know my scripts work because this is what I do. And I went to school for it. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want to buy it or not. Like, okay. He sounds like he got a lot of faith in these scripts. So I paid the hundred fifty dollars, and then sure enough, he sent me the script. <laughs> and I'm like, because I went in ready, like, okay, tell me you can do it. Now tell me you have something that you know on the site. Now show me proof that it worked. All right, are you yeah. sure it could work? And because I was willing to beat him down, technically, I I made hundred fifty dollars off the deal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like just being willing to take those small steps, you know, do the small, you know, not the small talk, but ask those clarifying questions because the more you make them confirm and commit to, the less leverage they have on the end to kind of dangle around. <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's incredible. And, and then, uh, no, go no, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, say what you're going to say. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I mean, dude, I freaking love that because uh, if more people understood like the principles of of negotiating and like how to get what you want in life, by the way, I love Chris Voss. Like he was one of the classes that I took, um, the Black Swan training. Right. Um, I, I ended up going through that. And funny enough, like this is my claim to fame. Uh, I hope one day Chris comes on my podcast, but I actually, he grew up in a small town in Iowa 
that was right next to my town. Like I knew Voss Petroleum, like, <laughs> like his grandparents. You know what right. I mean? When I was in my hometown, um, we, you know, small towns in the Midwest share news. It's right. very easy to go through. Uh, and recently, early in 20, maybe it was 2021, earlier this year, like in March, uh, I was looking through my hometown paper uh, and and my mother lived in Mount Pleasant, Iowa at the time, which is where Chris is from. And I read in the Mount Pleasant, Iowa paper that his mother passed away. So it was kind of funny. Right. I sent him a, I sent him like a, hey, I'm really sorry that your mother passed away uh, and, and never got anything back. But I, but I was just like, I knew him. anyway, it was really funny, but uh, he teaches great. I love that because uh, it's, it's so true, man. And you, and it just doesn't it pain you as like a consultant to see somebody in a negotiation, you're like, man, you could do that so much better. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, we're definitely gonna have to. We're gonna have to find a way to get him on your show. <laughs> we're gonna have to find a way. I, I'm, 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 I'm gonna work with you. <laughs> all right, man. I hope so, dude. But uh, so, all right, the last one, number four, I think. Right. Right? And um, number four is, and this one I got from Chris Boss, uh, but I kind of phrase it differently: is to use questions uh, in place of your rejection. So I like to tell people, yeah. like, imagine, you know, you're in a dance, right? Imagine negotiation as you're doing a salsa with somebody, right? <laughs> I got to move together. So you you know, you're, you're willing to take the small steps and the stuff before y'all start twirling, you're, you know? <laughs> you're, you're, you're ready to walk away in case they're not willing, they don't, they don't want to dance with you. And you know, you know, you're able to speak their language, you know what kind of dancer they are. The last thing you want to do is, like, you try to make a certain move and the person just stops dancing. No. <laughs> right so you don't want to just hit people with no all the time like uh, can i all right i know you said it's sixty thousand. is there a way that i can pay you fifty thousand? no it's like okay well this guy's not <laughs> and the worst is if they actually do the whole four ask imagine you ask for something four times and you get told no four or five times in a row you're like i'm not i'm not ever talking to this person again <laughs> yeah that'd be tough man so you know i think i always think about even if this negotiation goes bad we may negotiate again in the future so i like to leave open yeah um, so if it's a no it's like i gotta understand why i'm saying no and use a question usually a question that starts with the word how to uh get them off their game so let's say some let's say i have a, a product for five thousand dollars someone's like i have two thousand dollars is there any way you could work with me <laughs> on the price and I, the first thing i would say is okay how is that supposed to work like you yeah. want me, you want me to draw up this whole game plan to help you. How about you draw up the game plan about <laughs> how that two thousand dollars is supposed to give me what I'm supposed to get? Okay. <laughs> now the pressure's literally on them. They if they yeah. have the perfect answer to give you the game plan, it's like you know what, this actually was a good idea. I will work with you for two thousand. <laughs> but I, oftentimes they don't have anything planned out. And you're just like, well, since neither one of us can come up with a way that this is going to work, I'm going to have to decline. But is you know and refer them elsewhere yeah yeah it's something where you know let's say somebody wants to put down a down payment but you always take payments in full you just how am i supposed to give you a product of this caliber without getting paid full price up front <laughs> and it's like well you know you can take half up front because i know your supplies is probably only this amount, and now they gotta guess and come up with these equations so, i'm waiting Right, uh, right. If they give you something good, and just say, like, let's say they give you a right, it's it costs five thousand. I can put down thirty five hundred now and have the other fifteen hundred available by the end of next month. My Mm -hmm. final question is like, okay, how many installments do you plan to make? Because even if you give me thirty five hundred up front, I'm not gonna take three more installments of five hundred dollars. You're gonna have to find a way to get that other fifteen hundred done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your best place to always put it right back on them. Let's say you're trying to close a sale and, and the person's like, you know, you you know, you have your analytical uh, clients. They're the ones that's trying to get you, you know, can I get half up front and then I'll pay you the rest later? And yeah, they just, yeah. you know, play play the numbers. The accommodating <laughs> guys, they're, they're willing to pay, but they usually want some sort of guarantee. So they're like, you know, I'll pay the I'll pay the five thousand. But are you sure this is going to work? And just like. How am I supposed to know if this is going to work if I don't know your level of commitment? It's <laughs> like, well, I'm committed. Oh, are you committed? Because you're questioning me like you want a guarantee. The yeah, only guarantee yeah. I can give you is your outcome is definitely directly correlated to your input. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, do you want this or not? And yeah, like, yeah. 
All right, you got me. You got me. I was second guessing it. I, I, I follow directions. All right, pay, pay that invoice. <laughs> yeah, that's right, buddy. Yeah, that's right, man. Those other guys, you know, they or women is just. I don't want to pay anything until I got the product at the end. They're just like, um, okay. Yeah. Wow. You know, what, what, what's yeah. going on here? Like, and yeah, my, my, what I miss, yeah. Right, and and I, I'm always like, um, what are you, like, th- this is the people that I hit them with a what question instead of a how, and it's like, what are you more concerned with? The price, or do you need some sort of guarantee? Because that's usually the one or two issues. If yeah. they say the price, then I treat them like the analytical person. Well, how am I supposed to get your product in this? Uh, you know, or I tell them, you know, uh, get, well, paying in installments is going to cost more than paying the whole thing up front, right? Yeah, you know, it's yeah, going to be yeah, 5000 now, you're paying installments and it's 7000 So if you're worried about price, the cheapest way to do it is just paying full. Yeah, of course. And then if, if they say, you know, I'm more worried about a guarantee, it's like, listen, I can't give you any guarantees <laughs> outside of what you're willing to put in because that's what your output is based on. Yeah. Do you really believe in this? If not, you can go find another program, but understand yeah. this program is here for people who's going to believe in it and follow the directions. So I'd rather you only do it if you're going to be committed to it. And now, you know, yeah. they, they go they go from being assertive to now being analytical or being accommodating. So you just got to move them <laughs> out of that. But those are the yeah. four principles I teach and how I use them, you know, in my day-to-day basis. No, that's great. I love how you mentioned, you know, you you use questions to put people in, in other buckets because I, I mean, basically what I learned uh, in my career sales is the, pretty much the same thing. Like you have, you know, you have a B and C customers. Um, and that's, that's how I, I always did it. And, you know, mm-hmm. a, you know, the a customers are going to be the people who just hand you the money, right? Write the check and, and they forget <laughs> about it and get you there. Right. And the B customers are the, that's your, that's the biggest bucket. And they're the people who are going to need a little bit of convincing. And then you have C customers who are just like, you know, they're the, they're the douchebags, right? Who just <laughs> beat, you, beat you up or whatever right? Right. they got to do. But I like how you mentioned, because this is an important concept for people to like understand because we always want to go right for the kill. But I like how you mentioned like using questions to get people to move to certain uh, bucket of customers or framing of customers to get like what you want, right? So like you meet an assertive person I'm going to have to play that assertive game to move him to the accommodating bucket right. so I can so I can close the deal or whatever. Or I, or I might have to move him to another personality. You know what I mean? Exactly. And exactly. vice versa. You know, you might be dealing with an accommodating customer who's not committing because they don't understand the numbers. And so I need to move them to like an assertive or, you know, or an analytical customer, you know, right. so that I can show them how this is going to save them money or, or, or whatever or justify their their investment or whatever. Right. So I really like that you mentioned that because a lot of people miss that. And that's where people get sucked into like these fake sales gurus right? <laughs> that are like, they're like, you can close hundred percent of the people hundred percent of the time. And I'm like, we are brought to you guys by Sheffield cider. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I love taste testing this cider. It's one of my personal favorites. And every guest that I bring on who tries it with me says the same thing. And they finally partnered with us so that you can share Sheffield Cider with those that you love. Sheffield Cider is a crisp, organic, artisan, non-alcoholic cider that comes from fresh apples right out of Sheffield Farms in Mesa, Washington. It really doesn't get better than this. So when you use code THINK10, you'll save 10% off a full case of Sheffield Cider. So make sure that you check them out, sheffieldcider.com, use code THINK10, and enjoy. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. You know, if that's what your goal is going in, yeah, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, first of all. And second of all, if you go in with that mindset, you're not going to be able to work it the way that it should be worked so that you can actually close more deals, right? Right. And win more more customers and and have more relationships or whatever the goal is, right? Right, yeah. And, and, you know, I've never actually, you know, had a career in sales. Uh, You know, all of my stuff has really been in management and then, you know, entrepreneurship. So I guess you could say, I've worked in sales for my business, Heck um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like when negotiation, the reason I was able to catch on to that before, like learning negotiation taught me sales because it's essentially the same yeah. thing. You just, yeah, you are yeah. from a different perspective. And, yeah, um, of course, the, what it was is like negotiation, the people that are here at the negotiation table for the most part, you know, they want to make a deal anyway. 
versus selling, <laughs> you don't always know if the person actually wants to buy your product <laughs> when you reach yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, of like, course, of course. It, it is, but at least for, for good companies, there's no cold negotiation. Like you already yeah. have some sort of incentive and relationship. So that makes negotiating a lot easier just to step into. But again, if you're not comfortable negotiating or, you know, if you've never had to try and negotiate some stuff because you literally didn't have enough money for something, you won't, you know, you'll, you'll have a learning curve. Yeah, of course. Yeah, man, of course. I remember, I mean, that's what I've been in. You know, I've, I've been in sales. I'm, I'm publishing a little sales ebook, like I'm nice. putting together for, for, you know, freelancers and 1099 guys um, and, and girls. And, uh, and it's just so crazy. Like, you know, everybody's, a, everybody's a salesperson. And if you're not a salesperson, you at least need to know how to like negotiate, right? Like influence right. and win people over and learn how to like speak other people's languages. You know what I'm saying? Um, as far as like their personalities and things like that, cause it gets real, you know, it, it can get real discouraging really quick. Even like, you know, yeah. you mentioned like job interviews. Like if that's not selling, I don't know what is. You know what I'm saying? Because that's it. That's the yeah. that is the epitome of of selling. Yeah. It's like I want to work for you. And, you know, you're I'm nervous about you as an employer. You're nervous about me as an employee. How do we make this work? You know what I mean? Right. And they're gonna they're gonna try to ask me questions, but I need to be able to do my own thing and and show show you what's going on. Um. So so yeah, man. It's just it's it's so true. Like people just need to know how that works. So dude, you're doing great things. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. So talk to me about, about your books. You have a, oh, yes. a you have a series. Yeah. It's yeah, like. so I have a, the Father Hustler book series. So this is what right. I was trying to find volume two around here. My daughter probably <laughs> hit it somewhere, but uh, you know, it's purple and has my hands on it. And it happened um, to me, man. It happened to me. <laughs> but the, I, I'm, you know, these were the first, I'm not, you know, I was not a huge book writer of any sort. I never thought I'd write a book. Um, what happened was, I think like a, a year after I started my business, you know, I started off, you know, like every new consultant charging by the hour. And I was like, well, I make $28.50 at my job, so I don't want to <laughs> charge less than that. All right, I'll charge $30 an hour, right? So I thought I was really yeah. hitting them over the head with $30 an hour. <laughs> and then, you know, eventually it moved up to 40 and then 60 and then 100. Um, yeah. You know, you're only meeting with people for one hour anyway, for the most part. So it wasn't really that big a deal. But yeah, yeah. Uh, in the beginning, remember, I was meeting with, you know, low-income clients who didn't really know much about business. So I'm kind of just teaching them for the most part versus you know, helping them uh, achieve a goal. For yeah. me to start uh, raising my prices, I had to start moving to different clientele. But at the time, I wasn't really, I, I hated talking in front of cameras. It's still a little weird for me, but, you know, I'm way more comfortable <laughs> after after all of this time. And um, yeah. because I didn't have much, you know, content online or YouTube or, or social media, all the clients that were of the caliber that I was looking for, they just didn't trust it. It's like, who's this random guy with no, you know, <laughs> no content? Like, he's just got a bunch of pictures and recordings from, from classes. I don't even know if that was his class. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> right. what am I going to do now? So sales are drying up because my old clients, didn't, I, they didn't want to pay, but I don't, I don't, you know, knock them for that because why would, why would you want to pay three times the amount for the same info that's going to take you from zero to 20%, right? Versus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people who can go from 85% to 100%, they'll pay whatever it costs to make that jump. Right. And um, because the sales are drying up, I'm like, I need a way to, you know, one, you know, have get content out so these new clients know that I'm serious about what I do. And two, so these old clients are still willing to pay me the $30 without me uh, exchanging too much of my time. Uh, I tried a course, but that, you know, again, that only works for like a middle ground of people because if you want, if you didn't want to pay a hundred dollars an hour, you're not going to want to pay for a five hundred dollar course. Um, yeah. So my wife, she's a publishing consultant. She worked for uh, like Time Magazine. Oh wow. Yeah. So she she had already when she was pregnant, she uh, took her senior thesis and turned it into her first uh, self published book, and it was like a collection of poems. Uh, called Back to Kukrensimi. And uh, Kukrensimi is the city she's from in Ghana, West Africa. Okay. Um, so after doing all of that, her, her answer for everything business related is write a book. 
Write a book. Can't, can't find clients. Write something. Oh, yeah. Cl- write something. Oh, client, yeah. Clients yeah. not coming back for, for another consultation. Write a book. Oh, your, <laughs> your client made a million dollars. Cool. Write a book about it. Like, so it's, it's just like, okay. And I got tired of giving all the exclusives. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to write a business book. Business books are boring. You know, none of my clients yeah. read business books. That's why they meet with me. So they don't have to read them. And she's like, listen, yeah. right. She's like, listen, you want to make, the money you want to make the thirty dollars off of these people who don't want to pay you a lot, and you don't want to charge them more than that for that beginning information. Put the beginning <laughs> right. information in the book, charge them twenty dollars yeah. for it, and then boom! I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so smart. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't come up with a reason not to. So what I did with for the hustler, um, we came up with like a format for it for her second book first, and then it applied here, which was um, well what we call the motivational quote book. So it's uh, 50 quotes, uh, each with a, a associated passage and then a blank yeah. page for a reader to write notes uh, for any thoughts that spark while they read it. Uh, yeah. And these 50 quotes all like teach the top 50 lessons I learned uh, in my first two, three years in business. And it's broken up into four chapters, which is mindset, business, investing, and negotiation. Um, oh, wow. So- yeah. And uh, what I did to help market the book was because I knew I didn't have enough uh, bandwidth to market it myself. I pretty much uh, found 50 small businesses online, told them, hey, I'll give you a free promotion in the book, you know, which is a lifetime promotion. That's how I told, I'll give you free lifetime promotion in my book in exchange yeah. for you uh, posting it. Uh, about it in uh, release week. And I'm like, you I should have told them the release day, but I'm like, <laughs> the week of release. So uh, I have 50 businesses in here. So I had, you know, not every. Oh, wow. Right. So the plan was 50 businesses all post about my book on the same day. That's the goal going forward. But that uh, the first time it was, you know, 35 of them posted in the first week. So that (laughs) helped me sell, you know, like 50 books in the first week. Things dried up, you know, so I I was able to use the book, you know, to help get consultations off. And uh, now if you purchase the consultations that would come with the book, but um, yeah. that, that was book number one. And, you know, I've, I've written a second one since then, but book number one still gets the most praise just because it's like, um, you know, I like to say it's my, it's like my version of rich dad, poor dad, just a lot more modern. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> it teaches, it teaches those beginner lessons of, okay, you, you have a skill set, whether you know it or not, you just have to figure out what skills you have that you can, that you can sell. And, you know, as many different ways that you can sell them as possible. And that's what yeah. the book really helps you do. It's just identify your skill set and then monetize it. That's okay. right, man. And that's the most important thing that people don't understand. And I, that's why I created the podcast, this podcast specifically, mine, um, was to have people like you on to show everyone else that you don't have to do anything crazy to start making right. extra money. <laughs> like, I love, like, I love your story. You were like, hey, hey I got to figure out how to make more money to pay this back. And you just started figuring out what you were good at. And you know what's so funny is like, I love I love your story because the way you explained it, you know, it started with one idea. You realized that wasn't it, but it led you. But if you would have never started with that first idea, it would have never led you to the to the thing you're doing now, the right. thing that's making you money and what you love. And that's what people don't understand is like, just get to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just start and let it evolve and work it out and work out the kinks and and leave some stuff and keep some stuff. And you know what I mean? And, and just, just go. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, Beautiful. Man. That, that was in uh 2019 uh, last year during uh quarantine, I wrote a, a sequel, which was for the hustler volume two. Uh, and it's the subtitle is the investment versus the investor. And I, I took the same, oh, you know, wow. okay. the, the same setup with the 50, instead of 50 quotes, I did 50 questions an associated passage and then a blank page. And the reason I switched it was because when it came to investing, I, I started investing in the stock market uh, in 2017, um, you know, because when I was learning about business, after I learned about how to make money, I, I had to think, what do you do when you, when you get money? Like, you know, because I, I was just under the impression- <laughs> all these companies, Yeah, I, I was just thinking all these companies just had, you know, millions of dollars just sitting in their Chase bank account, right? So oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> yeah. I, I learned like, oh, they invested and then they get returns on the money. They take that and invest it here and tax it <laughs> and this. So I'm like, oh, wow, investing. And it just opened up a whole new world. So by the time I graduated awesome. college, I already had a list of the first 10 companies I would invest in. 
The first one was Navient because I'm like, if I got to pay back student loans, I want some of the money back. So I, yeah. I me and my, me and my brother invested there. Then uh, a few months later, we realized, oh, nobody's paying back their student loans. We're losing money. So we had to sell those stocks and uh, put it elsewhere. But um, it, pretty much what I realized last year was like, this is going to be the perfect time to start investing because anybody that I invest knows when the market goes down, prices are cheap. And as, yeah, long as, when you, buy. As, long as, as long as you expect to live long enough for the market to come back, that means it's a good time to buy. So, That's right. Um, the biggest issue with a lot of people is one, they they just don't know where to start. Like, you know, if they want to start yeah. with real estate, there's millions of plots of land out there. They want to start with stocks, there's thousands of stocks. They want to start with equity, there's millions of businesses. So where do they start? And uh, what I did was I, I took the same approach and it was, I want people to be able to put in their own investment morals. So they have like their, their customized way to invest that fits their background and their budget. Cause you know, right. I can't invest like Warren Buffett cause I don't know what Warren Buffett knows and I don't have his pocket, <laughs> right? Somebody else may not be able to invest like me even if they have more or less money just cause they don't work in construction. So they may not care about utilities and dividends the same way uh, I might. Maybe they care more about yeah. any stock. So yeah. the book the book is broken down into four sections, uh, investment myths where I debunk 11 investment myths. Like, you know, is Forex a scam? Uh, is is marriage a good investment for the primary? Is is marriage a profitable investment for the primary breadwinner? Um, you know, is it a good investment to to uh, donate or give to panhandlers? Things like that. So eleven of those. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Uh, then the next three are stocks, real estate, and equity. And I pretty much ask them questions that force them to choose a side. So it's like, uh, do you prioritize dividends? You know. Uh, do you prioritize growth stocks? Do you prioritize uh, local stocks versus, um, you know, penny stocks or pink sheet stocks? And in, uh, mm. in the passage, I give them the pros and cons to each decision. Um, mm. In the real estate section is, do you prioritize residential uh, property or commercial property? Do you care about uh, low cost property or luxury uh, or high income property? Things like that. And mm. give them the pros and cons again. And same thing with equity. Like, do you want a member managed business? or, uh, you know, manager uh, managed business and stuff like that. <clears throat> you know, does it have to be a business that c can collaborate with something existing in your portfolio? Or are you willing to start with new businesses? And so as they answer all of those questions and, you know, go through all of those blank pages where they write their thoughts and their answers, now they literally know, okay, when I go into investing, these are the parameters I'm looking at. So now it goes from looking at you know, 20,000 stocks to now, they probably only can see eight stocks that fit what they're looking for. And it makes it a lot easier to make the decision. So um, that, that's why I wrote For the Hustler Volume 2. And a lot Heck of people yeah. like it, but number one is still the crowd favorite. Oh, well, yeah, man. I'm going to have to check out both of them. That's <laughs> if I didn't send it to you, I'll, I'll send you the ebooks after this for sure. All right. <laughs> All right. And I'll make sure that I, I buy the physical ones because I love it, man. Because it's so important. Like, you know, as you're talking about all these things like member managed, manager managed, talking about stocks and, and what kind of things you like to do in equity. It's just it's so important, the work that you're doing, because it's just people just don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just and you, and you don't know what you don't know. So you just got to keep going and you got to learn from from people who know what's going on. And uh, and it's dude, it's it's actually really incredible. So I, lo I love that we were able to connect, man. I love I, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, hopefully so, next year, oh, uh, I was just oh, saying, go ahead, go next ahead. year, uh, I'll be dropping For the Hustler Volume 3. I've already started it and then reread it and started it and rewrote <laughs> it. Because as I'm doing more negotiation, actually focusing on teaching it, so much more content now needs to go into the book. I'm like, okay, switch yeah. the format again. I just have to push it back. Like, just push it to 2022, get the challenge and, and, and the uh, <laughs> program for the, for the persuasion program out, and then you can worry about the book. But uh, yeah, book, three, absolutely. book three will um, pretty much break down what I call the negotiation quadrant. So, um, you know, the cash flow quadrant from Rich Dad, Poor yeah. Dad. Yeah, uh, I took that yeah. and switched it for negotiators. So um, for those who don't know, uh, it's pretty much four ways to make money, right? It's uh, employees exchange time for money, self-employed exchange time for money, business owners exchange other people's time for money, and the investors exchange money for more money. Um, so I, I flipped it around for negotiators and it's like, 
employees negotiate salaries and wages and their whole mindset is what's the most this person will pay me yeah being uh, self-employed they you know they shouldn't be negotiating their prices anymore but a lot of them will negotiate the invoices so when and how am i going to get paid so they'll take oh, a client to their website but you can also dm them you can also text them you can email them <laughs> this guy will pay up front that person could pay half up front this person gets a customized order you know stuff like that and yeah, uh, of course, yeah. That, those are the issues that a self-employed person is typically dealing with as far as negotiating. Um, a business yeah, yeah, owner, yeah, yeah. they they negotiate in partnerships, right? So they their main thing is I'm not I'm not messing up my procedures and protocols, and I'm definitely not negotiating my price. But I will work with different businesses as partners or as collaborative offers. So their whole mindset yeah. is when I make a sale, who all gets paid and uh, when I get paid, who all has to make a sale? You know, yeah, for me to course, get paid, yeah. who all has to make a sale? And then lastly, you got investors who are, you know, they just investigate. I mean, they just negotiate in um, uh, equity and royalties. So they don't want to say, who do I want to choose to pay me? Right. And that's like the ultimate <laughs> level in the world. Like, I'll allow you to pay me, Microsoft. Here's my <laughs> you know, Apple, I'll allow you to pay me. Here's my 160. So, yeah. um, you know, it's all about taking that mindset and, and those those strategies and tactics that you will use in that scenario and applying them to when you're in those other three brackets. So that's yeah. what, the, what the book will teach, you know, telling stories for me, clientele, other things I've read and, uh, you know, kind, kind of putting people in that same driver's seat that I've kind of been in as a you know, <laughs> negotiator. Wow, man, dude. I, hey, we're going to have to talk when that one comes out. So make sure <laughs> we, sure. I'll make sure we stay in touch and we'll do another one when that comes out, man. Cause that's, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, cool, man. Well, so uh, I know um, you got a lot going on. So tell people where they can find you, where they can get a hold of your books and uh, your coaching. And uh, before we leave, just, just let me know where everybody can find you and, and, uh, and show love. Gotcha. So um, you can find me on Facebook at Trev Cassaberry. Uh, on Instagram at Don underscore Travolta, D-O-N underscore T-R-E-V-O-L-T-A. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Trevor Cassaberry. Uh, my, for, my, uh, for my book, you can find it at hustlerbooks.com, uh, okay. hustlerbooks.com. And uh, for my coaching services, first you can uh, you know go to cassaberry.com, which is C-A-S-S-A-B-E-R-R-Y.com. Um, we have a free negotiation survey there. You know, it's like three to four questions. Uh, and at the end, you'll get, you know, your results that tell you, are you an assertive negotiator, accommodating or analytical? It'll also give you the five biggest mistakes each one of them make and then my customized solutions to avoid them. That way you can be a better uh, negotiator. Uh, if you're looking to, you know, see more about my negotiation trainings and my challenge, you can go to Casberry.com slash more. Uh, where you'll see the Gain More Leverage Challenge, which again uh, launches in December, where I'll be taking five days to teach people how to negotiate like an investor, um, even when you're uh, as in salary, sales, and partnership negotiation. All right, man, that's going to be sweet. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I know, I know, we're running uh, up on time, but I really appreciate it, man. This was a great interview. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the time and I, I, it's my pleasure to be back for the next book. Now I got to hurry up and write it. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> oh, yeah.